0: The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women, and beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is
1: advised. Welcome to Real Talk with NJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. NJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for
0: women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Real Talk with MJ Sorority. We are starting a new series today where we just take some of your most frequently asked questions and discuss them a bit on the podcast. So we also have all of these questions on our website at mjsorority.com as an easy place for you to reference if you need to send the FAQ to anyone, if you want this information in writing or anything along those lines, and we'll include that in the show notes too. But today we are addressing one frequently asked question, which is about the use of commercial kitchens. And we're kind of lumping in with that uh, some other cooking type questions in terms of outdoor grills, kitchenettes, things along those lines. So what is our and our risk management position, Allison, on the use of commercial kitchens?
0: Happy to talk us through that. And like you said, this is just our standard response. Typically, when you ask about what, what kinds of commercial kitchen access, commercial kitchen equipment can members use as tenants in the facility or even just members that are visiting the facility and don't live there. So, we do discourage members from uh, using commercial kitchen equipment. A lot of what's in a kitchen at a sorority house, especially a larger facility, is not your standard kitchen equipment. It may include things like uh, larger stand mixers, deli slicers, things that wouldn't be in a residential kitchen. And so, those kinds of Pieces of equipment are not what you'd be familiar with in your kitchen at home. Thus, we like to make sure that those those are restricted for the most part to kitchen staff and those trained professionals who know how to work with it. We have some stats that show 76.5% of campus fires start in the kitchen. It's just the place where a lot of hot uh, stuff is turned on a lot of the times, and for that reason we recommend you limit the use of your commercial kitchen space to train professionals. There's a lot of financial expense for the sorority in that space as well. So even, even just from a standpoint of not breaking your nice equipment, whether or not it could start a fire, there's some risk there as well. Just the more people you have coming in and out using big machinery, aside from the safety, of course. And not only could there be injuries to uh, somebody not familiar with even even a more industrial-sized oven that you're not used to that's just heavier, uh, bigger stoves, things like that. There could be some issues with proper food storage, especially if you have a commercial staff that's in there and has a way that they've saved or sealed everything so that the food is safe and healthy and meets codes if members are in there digging around uh, rather than using what they should fa- have access to separately. There's also some health and safety concerns. So all sorts of things to consider as just risks in terms of members being in the commercial kitchen. With this, we often get questions about kitchenettes. So a kitchenette, and you may call it something different, but it's generally a place where members can access in a facility that has a commercial kitchen. So it has things like a fridge and a microwave and a toaster and things like this. It's often does not have certain equipment that can get hot uh, and cause injury to members. So things like coffee makers might be okay. Um, Things like indoor grills might not be okay. Uh, Speaking of grills, we get a lot of questions about grills as well since this is sort of an extension of the kitchen. So we recommend you designate certain people who are allowed to use a grill If it's outside, designate certain hours it can be used. Who's responsible for ensuring that the gas is turned off after its use use and it's maintained properly? Uh, How is it, how is the propane tank checked and hooked up properly? And what if there's an injury? Who do you call? Those kinds of procedures. So just making sure with any kind of equipment that gets hot, that could hurt people, that could cause fires. That introduces health and safety concerns, that we have some sort of procedure in place. So that's our general stance on kitchens and what we recommend.
1: Thank you, Allison. This Mm -hmm. leads to a really good question in terms of risk management. So if you refer back to our pilot episode way back when, we talked about kind of how we view risk management as there is a continuum. So we might you know, make some recommendations like we have here in the commercial kitchen question uh, that are, assume a best case scenario. You know, best case scenario, you want trained staff in that commercial kitchen. Uh, you want a kitchenette with just maybe a refrigerator, a microwave, maybe a Keurig or a coffee maker, and allow the the members to use that that space. However, COVID was a great example of how risk management doesn't always work with the best case scenario, and you have to be flexible in that way. So once the chapters were shut down and then reopened in the fall for many locations, they were maybe not as, you know, not as many members returned. And so perhaps the house corporation typically had a chef or a kitchen staff and couldn't afford that any longer. Or just that they needed to be more flexible, perhaps you know, in terms of eating hours to space people out, that kind of thing. And so we recognize that, for one, obviously, COVID this past year has been <laughs> unusual to, um, yes. to say the least. Yes, <laughs> but we understand that even without COVID, even without a pandemic, that there are things that might make your situation unique and that you may need to get creative in order to make things work. So we offer a risk management position of sorts that says, you know, if you can make this work, this is the best case scenario. However, if you can't make that work, then contact us and we'll work through, you know, what that might look like. A little bit more nuanced, if you will. Uh, So just some things to keep in mind that we talked about in terms of COVID are that if members are preparing food for other residents, so not just for themselves, there might be some ramifications from a workers' compensation standpoint. It can be difficult to be able to determine if an injury occurred when the member was working or if it happened during the time that she was just a resident It gets really fuzzy there. It's also important to remember that in terms of that risk management position that there isn't sp- anything specifically in the insurance policies that say you can't have members in the commercial kitchen. It's just that we again rely on this kind of best case scenario continuum in terms of assessing our risk. So if you decide that it's worth the liability that you may might take on to allow members to access your commercial kitchen to prepare foods for themselves, then that is your your right and your prerogative, obviously. And we are happy to walk alongside you in that and to determine, you know, what are some policies that you could put in place, such as perhaps still having some controls in place for the commercial kitchen, maybe removing equipment that they could really do without, such as the commercial stand mixers, a deli slicer. We see a lot of workers' compensation injuries of trained personnel professionals on deli slicers, maybe the big the big fryers that, you know, a a normal resident a, me myself a normal person would not have any clue how to use. And maybe locking the kitchen overnight if possible. So, this is just a good example of how we do especially and again, not just in pandemic times, but need to be flexible in terms of our willingness to offer up Kind of the best case scenario, and then work with the members to determine, you know if there needs to be a little bit more nuance in various aspects. And this obviously applies to all sorts of different risk management questions. Definitely. And keep in mind always that this all of this that we've discussed today is if you own the property, if it's your own facility, if you rent, you'll need to consult with a landlord about any exceptions. And Allison, had a, she, you're currently looking for places to rent, aren't you? So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, and just I know as a tenant, as somebody who rents, you always want to follow what the landlord specifies in the contract because if you're not following what your lease says, there can be ramifications for that. So, for instance, even for a client recently, um, we were re- – reviewing a space that they wanted to rent, and it specifically laid out in standards and regulations from the landlord who owns the facility before the sorority could enter, they had to agree that they wouldn't use fire pits, space heaters, hot plates, hot pots, candles, incense, decorative string lights, basically anything that is known to create a fire hazard um, is prohibited. So that does include hot plates and things like that that we talk about concern here. So... A lot of this, as Sarah said, is is flexible and up to you and your risk appetite, like as we like to say, and just circumstances, what's going on and what do you need to be a little creative about in terms of risk management? We're always looking for the best case scenario, but maybe there's an next best option that still includes some actions that you take to mitigate risks. And uh, as long as you are the housing authority and that's up to you, then you can set those rules. If somebody else is the housing authority or if it's the university and you're in a dorm, you need to make sure that you're following their rules too, uh, since you are living as a guest in their space and need to make sure you live
1: by their standards. Yes, definitely. Good reminders. So our colleague, Tiffany Morabich, has a good reminder when it comes to all of these kind of... Cooking related questions and what's allowed and what's not. And so she says the question to ask yourself is Does it get hot and stay hot? So, if the answer to that question is yes, then we recommend, again, best case scenario, that members not use that type of equipment due to the burn potential or fire hazard. So, this would be in those kitchenettes as well as the commercial kitchens. And again, in kind of those normal best case scenario times. Mm -hmm. But then if the answer to does it get hot and stay hot is no, like toasters, you know, they get hot and cool off, instant pots, crock pots, Keurigs, et cetera, then that might be a good choice to allow members to use in the kitchenettes. And maybe if you have, you know, some of those items for their use in the commercial kitchen or specific section of the kitchen or something like that. So that is kind of a good mnemonic device to remember as you're assessing risk when it comes to cooking appliances.
0: Yeah. Well, and things that have a timer on it so that, yeah, it can't stay hot past a certain amount of time. Uh, that's, that's kind of the key here. Anything that can shut itself off is good. Anything that can't and you could accidentally leave on like a grill, indoor grill or indoor hot plate would be a concern to have in whatever kitchenette space that's accessible to members or um, if you're going to let them in the commercial kitchen for extenuating circumstances, just making sure that kind of equipment is not, um, it is something that they can operate and be trained to use and isn't commercial grade. Great. Mm -hmm. So So hopefully we have made this as clear as mud, (laughs) (laughs) which is making sure that we, we talk about what, um, what our traditional stance has been and, and just the traditional risk management answer. Uh, but know that we're here as consultants too, and we're here to support your risk management initiatives and, and want to find ways to support your goals and objectives and, and make sure we're being flexible, as Sarah said. Cre- uh, tough times call for creative measures to make sure that we are accommodating all sorts of situations, and we know all no housing situations are exactly the same, even in sorority houses across the country
1: well said. So send us your FAQs if you have them. Uh, we will be working through different frequently asked questions from our website or the questions that we already receive quite a bit of. But we would love to hear your questions and you can email those to us at realtalk at MJ sorority and we will use those questions for a future episode. But now we turn to that segment where we talk about what we can't stop talking about outside of sorority risk management. So how about you go first, Alison?
0: Yes. So I have been using something called Daily Harvest for the past year. MJ actually gifted it to us very kindly for a month um, or for a single box to be delivered. And it is essentially, if you haven't heard of it, it's, it's not one of the cooking things where you have to cook a whole bunch of stuff. You really just have to add an ingredient or two. And it's frozen fruits and vegetables and natural ingredients that you can do stuff with. So my favorites have been smoothies, a few of the flatbreads. There's a few soups that all you have to do is add broth to. But what's nice is it's, real fruits and vegetables, some of which I would never buy normally and add to my palate. Um, and you just add something to it and heat it up or blend it up um, and it's ready to go. So it's nice. It's my nice way of making sure I'm getting my daily dosage of fruits and veggies. That's um, a basic goal for a lot of people. But for me, it's it's been good to just make sure that I'm not always, I have some produce that's fresh in the fridge, but so that I have some frozen things that I can just throw together, throw coconut water or almond milk and blend it up and have that ready to go. So I have my little smoothie cups and straws and that's kind of been my habit. I can't afford to do it every week, but I do it a box about once a month and it's just a good supplement
1: to all my other groceries. So
0: highly recommend Daily Harvest.
1: Yes. We, yes tested it out too when MJ generously sent it our way. And I think I got one thing because I think my children ate all the rest. Yeah. I was was a little bit crabby about the whole situation. Yeah. But yeah, we, we have lots of smoothies here, so
0: well, I definitely thought I was playing them because they gave me a few free things at the beginning. And I was like, oh, I'm just getting all this free stuff from them. This is a deal for me. But, of course, it did get me hooked on it. So <laughs> I'm the sucker
1: at the end. That is
0: now It is good. I do feel,
1: like, especially with the quality of the ingredients, it's not – I mean, it's well-priced for the convenience. It is. Too, it and it is. and
0: to just have it delivered and know that's, that's always going to be in my freezer – and ready to go and just trying to make sure I don't completely overwhelm our freezer space with all of it. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's been a good treat. And I've enjoyed it. I'm the one I'm drinking now is called mint cocoa. And it basically tastes like uh, mint chocolate chip ice cream, but it's a smoothie with all natural ingredients. So it's that a good, good deal. Mm-hmm.
1: So what I can't stop talking about yeah, Sarah, what
0: can't you stop talking about?
1: I'm trying to think of something <laughs> different. I what I can't stop talking about lately is what I call the grandma habits. And I just, you know, we have talked a few times in the past few weeks about coming up on, or we, I think we just passed the year anniversary of kind of going into quarantine and um, just feeling a sense of heaviness and things like that. And so when I just, I've been really tired with spring forward and, I notice the older I get, I just have to focus on the grandma habits, which I think are like the boring things, but that make everything work better, like getting at least eight hours of sleep and moving my body and getting outside and just drinking more water. And so to that end, I bought, which I never buy apps, but it was $5, I think, uh, and it's called water Minder. And it just is a, I set my goal of how many ounces of water I want to have, and it just has my body on the app and it fills it up as I go through the day and it syncs with my watch. So if I'm not by my phone, I can just add my water and it reminds me, you know, when I'm off track or things like that. And it helps me just keep up with those grandma habits, at least with the water drinking part. And a lot of times I think that, you know, when I am crabby or um, hungry. Sometimes I'm just thirsty and just need some water. So it has been a a helpful five dollar investment for the past month or so, just to get me drinking more water.
0: That's good. So you do have to subscribe to it a little bit, I guess.
1: You just, I, it's just a one time, one time, okay. So I was like, okay, five dollars to somebody boss me around about drinking more water is a good use of money.
0: <laughs> love it. Yeah. When well, I bought one of those water bottles that has the marks on it of like, you're yes. supposed to be throughout the day, but I found I still need something. I think push notifications like that would help just so that yeah. I'm being reminded to do that and have to look at it. And yes, it's, I, and I like, I like that term grandma habits. Did you coin that or was that
1: Um, no, I think I heard it on a podcast originally. I've, Mm -hmm. I've blogged about it on my personal blog a few times Mm -hmm. and it, it just, I, it makes me mad because I really, they're so boring, but they make such a difference. Yeah, (laughs) I would rather have more exciting things make a difference, but I'm figuring out that it's the boring stuff that makes the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. No offense to grandmas, but you know they're the same things that my grandma would have said made a difference in her life and they still make a big difference well it's wisdom right
0: it's things that when we're young we think are boring but are actually wise and some of the hardest things to like make a regular habit in your life so it's good
1: this is true well it's great being with you all today and we look forward to chatting with you again soon see you next time
0: thanks for joining us for real talk we want to hear from you If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk at mjsorority.com.
1: Visit our website, mjsorority.com, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart, be safe, and we'll catch you next time.